Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Today, let's join Pastor Brett preaching from the Gospel of Luke. The gospel is done, and what we mean by that is that Jesus has paid all of your debt. He's done all of the work. There is no more doing in order to be right with God again. So if you find yourself as not a Christian this morning, I want you to hear that you can stop toiling in your own strength. If you're wondering, how do I get to a place where life has meaning, where it actually feels like there's something to look forward to when I wake up in the morning, that thing that you're looking for is Jesus Christ. The only way to have him is by resting in his perfect and finished work. And so if you want to know more about that, I'd love to talk to you after the service. Please don't leave here wondering how you can have a a better life or a happy life. Those are things Jesus doesn't promise, but he does promise fulfillment and a firm foundation apart from your toiling. And those of us who are Christians this morning, again, I think we struggle, don't we? To operate on a daily basis in our own strength, our own wisdom, our experience, our knowledge, our skills. We are a very talented people. We have lots of resources. We have lots of connections. And if we're not careful, we can actually begin to think that this story is about us. And it's not. And so if we're toiling, and if you're tired this morning, Jesus says, come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Interesting. So if we've got a burden from working too hard, who put that on us? Us or Jesus? Us. Jesus will not put burdens on you. He wants you to rest in him. So let's jump back into the story. Peter says, look, Jesus, we're, we're tired. We've worked hard all day. We've toiled. Uh, we've, we've taken nothing. But verse 5 is where we see a critical turning point, the second half of it. Peter's second sentence to Jesus. Notice what he says. The second half of verse 5, he says, But at your word... I will let down the nets. And this brings us to truth point number two. That genuine disciples listen to Jesus and respond to Jesus with obedient action, even if what is being asked of them doesn't make sense. See, Jesus had commanded Peter to do something, and it didn't make any sense, yet Peter did it because Jesus said so. How many of you guys... Well, his family worship, there's a lot of kids in here, so there's a lot of parents. And if you're not a parent, you came from a parent. So this should be able to relate to everybody. When we, when either when you were growing up and you had parents, or if you're a parent and you're raising kids, when we are telling our kids to do something, we say, do this. And what do the kids always say in return? Why? Oh, mom and dad, you're so hard. And what's our normal response typically? Because I said so. Now, that's not the best explanation every time. I get that. But we as parents want our children to be obedient, right? We want them to know and understand that I have, that we have their best interest at heart. That we actually, despite what they may think, we actually know a few things that they don't. We actually have lived a little bit further, right? A little bit longer than they have. And even as a young adult who has parents that are older than me, there's still things that I need to submit to to honor my parents. But Peter models for us the type of obedience that Jesus commands. And we don't like that word in 2019. We don't like the word command because it makes us uncomfortable and our autonomy flares up and we say, no one's telling me what to do. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. It's 2019. I call the shots. Newsflash. If you've 
committed your life to Jesus, he calls the shots. That's what Lord and Master actually mean. So if you want to call the shots, then just don't call yourself a Christian because a Christian submits to Jesus. He does whatever he says. And so Peter models an obedience that doesn't, even in the midst of things that don't make sense, he models obedient action, not just obedient ethereal platitudes of Lord, what an incredible command that you've given me. I love that command. I'm going to study that command. I'm going to memorize that command in Greek, and I'm going to have a Bible study to talk about what commands even mean. The point of commands is to apply them with action. It's to take them internally and say, okay, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I will. I will. Does your devotional life reflect statements like, okay, Lord, I will fill in the blank. I will. Now, on the other side of the coin, let's think about this for a second. Peter's in the boat with Jesus. He can't really escape and go anywhere. But if he could have, and he would have said, you know what, Jesus, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not interested in that. What if Simon would have rejected Jesus' instructions? What do you think would have happened? You think he would have missed the miracle? I definitely think he would have, but I think he would have missed something even more profound. In Luke 6, 46 through 49, Jesus explains and draws out for us the reality of not listening to Jesus' commands. He says this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? We could have a whole sermon on that one sentence, but we'll keep going. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug a deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. It's a bad idea, by the way. When the stream broke against it, it immediately fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Church, did you catch the connection in that passage between hearing and obeying? Hearing and obeying. You want to be a wise person, you listen to Jesus, you respond to Jesus, and you, do, you respond to him with obedient action. And what does that produce in your life? Jesus says you're building a life on a firm foundation of Christ that he knows best, not you. If you want to be a fool this morning, ignore Jesus. If you want to be a fool and build your life on sand, read the Bible and don't ever apply it to your life. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. But that's essentially what he's saying. Hear Take in and don't respond. That's what a fool does. Jesus' words are very clear. And by the grace of God, we see that Simon is an example for us of listening to Jesus and doing what Jesus said, even when it doesn't make sense, even after a long, hard day when he's tired. He doesn't make that many excuses. And so the question I have for us this morning, including myself, is how many times do we reject Jesus' instructions yet expect his blessing and his favor. We don't want to do what he says, yet we're, we're here with arms wide open going, bring it on, Jesus, give me that blessing, give me that favor, give me the opportunities. Yet when it comes down to the day-to-day, walking in submission with the Spirit, listening for his voice, we say, I ain't doing that. No way. I've always done this this way. I'm not, I'm not doing that. See, in the, in the New Testament, the disciples that followed Jesus called him Master, They referred to him as Lord and Master. Both of those words mean basically the same thing, that whoever you call Master and Lord is the one over you who's calling the shots and dictating the direction of your life. Interestingly, the non-believers and the crowd and the people who never actually followed Jesus, you know what they called Jesus? They called him Teacher. 
He was just a great TED Talk guy. He was just a great fluffy speaker that made me feel good. I'm going to go about my way. Again, do you live like Jesus is your master? Or do you live like Jesus is just your teacher? We have to wrestle with these questions because here's the reality, church. All across America, everyone wants to go deeper in in Bible study. We hear this all the time. I just want to go deeper. I want to go deeper, deeper, deeper in Bible study. And I'm all for it. If you're not abiding in Christ, you're not walking with Christ. So you have to be in his word every day. That's a given. But everyone wants to go deeper in their Bible study. But how many people want to go deeper with obedience to Jesus? When they go to the workplace on Monday morning, how many of you want to go deeper with what he says to do when you're there? How many of you want to go deeper in your prayer life? How many of you want to go deeper in evangelism? Oh no, now we got to that topic. How many of you want to go deeper in serving the poor or the widows or the elderly, even if it's not convenient? How many of you want to go deeper in the things that Jesus says to do that mess with your comfort, that mess with your pursuit of the American dream, that mess with your autonomy, that mess with your sense of entitlement, that you're an American that can do whatever you want? How many of you want to go deeper with Jesus on that level? Simon agrees to do what Jesus says, even though it doesn't make sense. He lets down the nets, and what do we see happen? Verses 6 through 9, it says, When he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. The nets were breaking. They signaled, signaled to their partners in the boat and come to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. So Jesus performs the miracle. Tons of fish. Yet notice Simon's response in the next verse. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that he had taken. Okay, we cannot miss Simon's reaction. It's so important. As a fisherman, you would think he'd be super stoked about a year's worth of fish or however much it ended up being. Simon doesn't get that wound up about the fish, does he? Now, I'm sure he was excited. The verse 9 says he was astonished like everyone else. But what was his response? It wasn't, thank you, Jesus, for the fish. What does he say? Depart from me, Lord. For I am a sinful man. See, Peter's primary concern was not the fish. His primary concern was who Jesus was and who he had just revealed himself to be. He knew that he must humble himself in the presence of Jesus. He knew that he was not in the presence anymore of just some good teacher that came out of a town nobody likes. This guy was God. Even as he says, O Lord, at the end of his sentence, saying, Depart from me, O Lord. I can't even be in your presence. He falls on his knees, a posture of humility. And I think this reminds us, church, that the pursuit of holiness always begins with the acknowledgement and the confession of our sinfulness. We cannot walk in holiness until we are willing to deal with our sin and say, I am a wretched man. Lord, forgive me, change me, and thank you, Lord, by the grace of God and the work and the, and the finished work of Jesus, I am now clean. If we come to God thinking that we're pretty great, holiness will not occur because the reality is you are not great. Jesus is great. The story is not about you. The story is about Jesus and what he's done in and through you. So Simon's response also shows us something very important that I think is worth noting. Simon was far more concerned with who Jesus was rather than what Jesus could do for him. You notice that? He was far more concerned with who Jesus was than what Jesus could do for him. We live in a culture where we want instant gratification 
and we want Jesus to give it to us, don't we? If we're not careful, we fall into that trap too. I know I do as well. I want something, I just immediately go to God and say, hey, would you give me this thing? And I don't even think, is that even a part of his will at all? He was more concerned with who Jesus was than what Jesus could provide for him. Can the same be said of you this morning? Do you love and serve Jesus because of who he is? Or do you love and serve Jesus because you think he's going to get you something you want? That next relationship, that next job, the next promotion, that next car, the next house, that next status as a person, that next child, whatever it might be. Why do you love and follow and serve Jesus? Is it really because of him? Is it really because of who the word has revealed him to be? Is he really your Lord? Is he really your master? Verse 10 and 11 this miracle happens. Peter is wrecked. He's at the feet of Jesus saying, Lord, I can't even be in your presence. And we see in verse 10 that so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And then Jesus turns to Simon and says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats and left the land, they left everything and followed him. This is a huge turning point in the life of Simon, James, and John. It's also a huge turning point in the ministry of Jesus. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.